Words are powerful, are they not? Words are really, really powerful. Uh, when we're little, we do a, we say some words, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but what a lie that is. Words will never hurt me. But we grow up all too fast and find out that, yes, indeed, words do hurt. And words can really hurt. They really um, cut deep. Uh, they break our hearts. Words are powerful. Uh, you, you cannot take the power away from words. Um, words can build up. Words can tear down. Uh, we'll have conversations with people and we'll say wonderful things to them and we will build them up and then turn around 30 seconds later and just be tearing them down in the same conversation. How is this possible? It's because words are powerful. You know, words can be used to create beauty. Words can be used to create beautiful sonnets by Shakespeare. Words can be used to create beautiful poetry by Robert Frost or Emily Dickinson. You think about beautiful poetry and, and how it just flows through the ear. Words are powerful in music. Um, I am a music fan. I'm a music guy. I love music. I have spent way too much money on music in my life. And my wife is saying, yes, you do. I love music. I, I mean, and, and it's not even necessarily the, the, the tune or the style because I like all kinds of tunes, and I love all kinds of styles of music. And I'll tell you my, my preferences in just a moment. But for me, the lyrical content is what matters the most when it comes to music. I love lyrics. I love words that are meaningful. And so, I like, like I said, I like all kinds of music. I will listen to, and some of you are thinking to yourself, you're going you're gonna to hear what I'm going to say, and you're going to be like, that's not music. <laughs> you can hear it already, right? I like I like country music. Oh, we got some country fans in the house. Okay, all right. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, right? <laughs> Little Alan Jackson and Jimmy Buffett. Sure, why not? Okay, so I like country music. Um, I like hip-hop, like uh, Black Eyed Peas. Um, uh, I like Bruno Mars, stuff like that. Okay, I'm down with hip-hop. I know you're looking at me going, yeah, sure you are. <laughs> um, I, like, uh, I like hard rock music. There's like, you know, like 80s rock you know, I, oh, I, I saw the coolest thing the other day. There was on the HD channel, there was a concert uh, by these really old guys uh, named Def Leppard. Now, when I was in high school, when I was in high school, Def Leppard's Hysteria came out, and I was so jealous because all the kids in, my, in the band were older than me, and they got to go to the Def Leppard concert, and I did not. And so I'm young, you know, and they're all coming to, shirt, to school the next day in all their Def Leppard t-shirts, and they're, you know, they're all tired and everything. It's like, it was so amazing, it was so awesome. I'm like, man, my life stinks. But, uh, but so they, they showed a, con it was like the, the 25th anniversary of, of Def Leppard's Hysteria album, and they had this live concert, and I tell you what, they sound terrible. I mean, it was, it was bad. It was really bad. But it was cool. I mean, it's like, look at these old guys singing songs that I know from, my, you know, like Guns N' Roses. Like when I, was in, when I was in high school, I couldn't stand them. But now it's like brings back, you know, childhood memories of everything. Right, blue sky. You right? And it, who's Sweet Child of Mine? Thank you very much. Yeah, singing Guns N' Roses in a sermon. Who is this guy? Um, but uh, so I like hard rock. I like... Um, uh, I like pop music. I like I, there's some there's some rap 
that I like. And again, you're thinking, sure you do. No, seriously, I, I, I like all kinds of music. If it's got good music, if it's got, well, if it's got good lyrics, if it's got words that I can understand, and you're thinking, that's the problem, Sean. I can't understand half of what you just said. But if it's got good lyrics and it's got a strong meaning and it's something I can relate to, then, then it's powerful. It's, it's really, really powerful. Music and lyrics are powerful. Um, words can be used to incite revolution. I think about works of uh, nonfiction, of, of, of manifestos, like uh, Marx and Engels writing the Communist Manifesto in the 19th century. And what a, what a difference that made in our world. Not, not positive, but, you know, it's just, it, it incites revolution. Mein Kampf by Hitler. That's a, that's a work uh, of words, that's use of words that incited revolution. And again, in a terrible way. But words are powerful. Listen to these words. Tell me what, what this comes from. When in the course of human events. Anybody know what that's from? It's the Declaration of Independence. It's the beginning of the Declaration of Independence. Words can incite revolution. Words can incite powerful change. Think about these words. I have a dream. Think about the changes brought about by Martin Luther King Jr. in the Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s. Simple words, I have a dream that changed our world. Speeches by King, speeches by Nelson Mandela that brought about an end to apartheid in South Africa. Words are powerful. Very, very powerful. Words can build up. Words can encourage. Words can rip apart. Words can tear down. Think about these words. Words like gossip or backstabbing. Words are powerful. Think about this for a second. What was the primary method God chose to communicate to his people? Words, human language in the Bible. That God wrote his word to us so that we may know him and we may know him better and have a relationship with him. Words are powerful. We started a new series last week called The Rise and Fall of Us All. And it's about Genesis chapters 1 through 3. And we're looking at the beginning, the very, very beginning. And, we, you know, it's a very good place to start. And so we start here at the beginning of 2014 by looking at, in the beginning, the very first words of Scripture, the first chapters of Scripture. And we're talking about uh, the different uh, aspects of creation from Genesis 1 through 3. Last week we talked about, um, uh, we talked about the existence of God in a sermon called There Is a God. If you missed last week and you want to see last week's sermon, you can go to our website at www.gfcc.net and you can click on watch slash listen and you can see last week's sermon uh, called There Is a God. And rather than arguing for the existence of God last week, I didn't argue for God's existence per se, more what I wanted to focus on was how are we to live in light of the fact of God's existence? How do we live our lives knowing that there is a God or believing that there is a God? Or if you believe that there is a God, how does that impact your life on a daily basis? What does that mean for us that there is a God? That's what we talked about last week. Today, we're covering creation, but not all of creation. We're covering most of creation in a sermon called And God Said. 
These words, and God said, appear six different times in Genesis 1, 3 through 25. And so if you've got a Bible, if you can grab your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to read through verses 3 through 25 as we start talking about creation. And like I said, we're going to talk about most of creation. We're not going to talk about all of creation. We're going to leave one part out for next week. Uh, But today we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 3 as we talk about creation. Turn to Genesis 1, 3 through 25, and also grab your bulletin, and you can fill in some blanks on the HDO, the handy-dandy outline, uh, on page 3 of your bulletin. The first blank on your outline, as we begin, is when God speaks, things happen. When God speaks, things happen. It reminds me of the old commercial. Uh, I'll date myself a little bit here, but when E.F. Hutton speaks, everyone listens, right? Yeah, how many of you remember the E.F. Hutton commercials? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Is he, I, I don't even know. I haven't heard from E.F. Hutton. In, are they even in existence anymore? I don't know. It's been a long time. A long time. Anyway, when, when God speaks, though, things happen. Uh, the next blank on your outline, uh, we're, just, we're motoring right through these, right? We're gonna, it's going to get a lot slower, I promise. Um, but the next blank on your outline is God speaks light into darkness. God speaks light into darkness. Like I said, last week we talked about how God exists and how he created the heavens and the earth. And today we're going to begin with looking at how God created light. Look at Genesis 1, 3 through 5. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So God creates light just by speaking it into existence. And you see, God is an, ex- an expert in light. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, John wrote, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. In Psalm 104, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist writes, Praise the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. God is an expert in light. Um, in 1 Timothy 6, verses 15 and 16, Paul wrote to Timothy, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. So God lives in light. And not only does he, not only is he light, and not only does he live in light, but he calls us out of the darkness and into his light. First uh, Peter two nine says, "You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light." That God calls us out of the darkness of sin and into the light of His grace. Uh, so God is light. That, that's the point of, of this first part of creation is that God is light. The second blank on your outline, or I'm sorry, the next blank on your outline is that God speaks atmosphere into void. God speaks atmosphere into void. In Genesis 1, 6 through 8, we read about how God created the sky. It says, And God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it, and it was so. God called the expanse sky, 
and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. Think about this for a second. Think about air. It's all around us, right? And it's everywhere. There's air. And uh, we take it for granted. Here, do, do me a favor. We'll do this little exercise. We're going to wake you up a little bit here, okay? Everybody take a big, deep breath and go. Let it out. Need a breath, man. Everybody in. Out. We do that thousands of times a day, and we never even think about it. And yet it is, one of, it is absolutely essential to our lives that we do that, that we breathe, right? Right. We have to breathe. And the air that is around us, we take for granted. God created that. And God, he, he created it perfectly. The air all around us, he made it exactly the way it needs to be for us to be able to breathe. That if there was, get this, if there was any more oxygen, it, we have the perfect mix of nitrogen and oxygen in our air for us to breathe and for life to be sustained and supported on this planet. That if there was any less oxygen in the air, we would not be able to breathe. Everything would die. If there was more oxygen in the air, everything would become combustible. Everything would be like spontaneously combust. Look to your left and look to your right, okay? Could you imagine sitting in church on a Sunday morning and all of a sudden the person next to you just bursts into flames? <laughs> You'd be like, I don't know what they did this week, but it must not have been good, okay? So, but we have the perfect mix of oxygen and nitrogen and other elements in the air for us to be able to breathe. And think about this for a second, okay? All the plants... Okay, what do they do? They breathe in what? Carbon dioxide, and they expel oxygen. And what do we, we breathe in oxygen and expel carbon dioxide. How cool is that? We're like working together. It's synergy. It's beautiful. God is awesome. He's amazing. He created all of this, and it all works together for our benefit. God is good, right? So God created all of this, this perfect blend of nitrogen and oxygen in the air that we breathe, and he speaks atmosphere into void. The point being that God is intelligent. God created it, and God is intelligent. So God is light, and God is intelligent. And the next blank on your outline is that God speaks earth into existence. God speaks earth into existence. Look at verses 9 and 10. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the, ground, and he gather, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Um, so God speaks the earth into existence. He makes everything on the planet. He separates the water from the, from the land and, and everything is gathered to where it is. Do you want to... I don't know. First service understood this. I don't know if second service will get it. Do you want to know what the earth weighs? Anybody have a guess? It weighs this. That's a lot of zeros. That's a lot of zeros. 13 jajillion? I don't, I don't even know what that number is. That's a lot of zeros. That, that's, a, that's a big number. That's how many pounds the earth weighs. And you know what? God spoke, and it was there. God made that. This big 13 jajillion pound planet on which we live, God made it, spoke it into being. God created this whole thing. The point being is that God is mighty. So God is light, God is intelligent, God is mighty. The next one, the next blank on your outline is God speaks vegetation into wastelands. God speaks vegetation into wastelands. God made a huge 13 jajillion pound garden. That's what he did. He made this giant garden. Look at verse 11. Uh, it says, Then God said, 
Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. God made every kind of plant, every kind of tree, every kind of flower that is in existence, and he planted them all here on the planet just by speaking them into existence. Imagine that. Every single, and it's beautiful. The world in which we live is just gorgeous. It's beautiful, all the beauty around us, and yet the half the time we don't even see it. We miss it completely. There's so much beauty. We have, we have a, we're very fortunate in the office in that we have this giant picture window that opens to Central Park. And, and we watch the seasons change all year round. And so right now it's kind of, it's, it's white. You know, it's very, very, very pale out there. Uh, a lot of snow. And it's pretty, you know, for a while. And, uh, but we have all the snow. And so we see the beauty of Central Park. And, and we have the beautiful green fir trees. And they're doing their thing. And then, but in the spring, we get to watch the leaves bud out on the trees and the flowers on the flowering trees, and it's beautiful. See squirrels doing their squirrel thing, running around. It's just amazing. The, the plants and the grass turning green. Oh, it's, it's gorgeous. And in the summertime and then into fall, when all the leaves change colors into a billion colors, it's gorgeous. God made all of this, and he did it very, very creatively. You see, God, the point is that God is creative. So God is light, God is intelligent, God is mighty, God is creative. The next blank on your outline is God speaks time into eternity. God speaks time into eternity. Look at verses 14 through 19. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. So God speaks time into eternity. By creating the sun and the moon, he created time. That's amazing that God actually created time and he created the seasons and the days and the weeks and the hours and the months he created all of that by putting the sun and the moon in the sky i don't know if you know this about me okay any of you who have spent more than five minutes with me probably knows this about me i am a time freak i am a freak when it comes to time i hate to be late i am very very flaw personality flaw right here okay total, total moment of true honesty yeah yeah I, I know where it comes from uh the man in the back uh i am very impatient when it comes to being late can't stand it don't like it not at all and here's the sad thing okay let me another moment of honesty <laughs> my son is coming out the same way <laughs> he's turning out to be he's like what is taking so long dude you're seven you got nowhere to be you got nothing to do you know you you wait okay that's what we do we wait it's all good we're gonna wait the only four-year-old on the planet who asked for a watch for his birthday he is obsessed with the clock. And he gets that from me. Because I'm obsessed with the clock. And I'm obsessed, obsessed with time. 
You know, and, and when I was in band in high school, we had a rule. Okay, this was the thing. To be, to be early is to be on time. To be on time is to be late. To be late is to be dead. When it comes to marching band time, we were serious. We were marching band people. And we wanted to be on time. And to be on time was to be early. And so we would get out there. And I mean, that's how I roll. I am an early kind of guy. You know, it's like, okay, I, I'm, I'm constantly aware. Shannon will ask me, what time is it? And I'll just spout off. Boom, it's 1.15. How did you know that? It's because I know. I know. I'm always aware of the clock. God created time. And God is not bound by time. He is not limited by time. God is eternal. And that is the point, that God is eternal. He is not bound or limited by time. He is never late. You can depend on God. You can count on God. He is never late. He is always right on time. Always. Isaiah 26, 4 says this. Uh, it says, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. That God is eternal. He is not bound by time. The next blank on your outline, God speaks animals into being. God speaks animals into being. Look at verse 20, and we'll read through 25. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the giant creatures, the great creatures of the sea, and every living and moving thing with which the water teems, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. God created all the animals. He created every single one of them from the delicious walleye that live in the Minnesota lakes, good eats, to the birds that fly in the sky, to the coyote that ran in front of my car last night as I was coming up Colfax Avenue. Did you know that there are, col there are coyotes living in Griffith? There are. So keep your, be, watch out. For, you know, if you've got a wiener dog, that's a snack for a coyote. Make sure that you keep the wiener dog indoors, okay? Because that, like, that, that's good eats to a coyote. Um, but, uh, yeah, God, and God knows them all, and God sees them all. He is aware of every single one of them. He knows where all the animals are all the time. Could you imagine that? It's true. You know how I know that? Because what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 6, he says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. God doesn't forget a single sparrow. I mean, these are the, the most insignificant little birds. They're tiny. They're, they don't do anything except build a nest in my gutter and make an ice dam form in my, uh, in my gutter and water come into my window. What in the world? It's because of little birds building nests in my gutter and they're sparrows. And, and yet God knows about them. He cares for them. And not even one falls without him knowing about it. And so if God cares that much about little sparrows of the sky, how much more does he care about you? And how much more does he care about me? infinitely more we are his prized creation we're going to talk about that next week you know god created all the animals and he put them here he did everything from the east most insignificant bird to the elephants to everything god made it all 
I love the cartoon, The Far Side, and this is one of my favorites. It's, uh, it's called God Makes the Snake, and he's sitting there like a kid with Play-Doh, and he's rolling out snakes, and he's like, boy, these things are a cinch. Okay, maybe it's just me, but... Uh, I love it's and it's it's a poor picture. I apologize for that. But uh, but yeah, God made everything. He created it all, and He made it perfectly. He gives life, and that's the point. That God is the giver of life. So God is light. God is intelligent. God is mighty. God is creative. God is eternal, and God is uh, God is the giver of life. The giver of life. He does it all. So what? Right? That's what you're thinking. So what? I mean, yeah, God created it all great. What does that mean for us? Living in 2014, what, it's the big so what. What does this mean for us? Let me tell you what it means for us. I have four questions I want to ask you as we talk about what this means. Living in 2014, eons after creation. I believe that God still speaks. I believe that God is still speaking. So the next blank on your outline is, what is God speaking to you? What is God speaking to you? See, God creates, and God gives life just by speaking words. So what is God saying to you today? Is he speaking light into your darkness? That's the first question. Is he speaking light into your darkness? We live in a very dark world. And there's darkness everywhere. You don't believe me? Watch the news for about 10 minutes. Or read the headlines, either on the internet or in the paper, if you still get one. But read the headlines, and you will find darkness everywhere. People are spiritually blind, and they are walking in darkness. And there's darkness all around us. How can people see? How can people see without light when they're stumbling in the darkness? I believe that Jesus helps us see. That Jesus really helps us see. In John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Let me read that one more time. John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you want to see, if you feel like you are walking in darkness, if you feel like you are blind and you want to see, you need Jesus. Because Jesus is light. And he is the light of the world. And he came to be the light of the world. He came to help us see. And God wants to speak light into your darkness. He wants to speak light into your life. And how does that happen? How do we get light in our lives? How do we get Jesus into our lives? You need to, you need to do something very, very simple. You need to accept Jesus' offer of salvation. You need to accept Jesus into your life. And you do that by putting your faith in him and believing in him. You do it by repenting from sin and confessing your faith and being baptized. That the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you, as it says in Acts 2.38. And Jesus comes to live in your heart. And, and then you follow him. And that's what the Bible says, is that if anyone wants to follow Jesus, you've got to take up your cross every day and follow him and fully surrender to him every single day. The second question I have for you this morning is, is he speaking hope into your despair? Is he speaking hope into your despair? 
Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. This is a little bit lengthy, but I want to read this for you. This is from the prophet Isaiah. And Jesus quoted this in, in Luke chapter 4. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Now, Isaiah uses a word in there, and it's the word despair. And the Hebrew word for the word despair, the Hebrew word literally means colorless. And that's what depression and despair feels like, doesn't it? It feels like life is colorless. And it is gray and it is dark, and it is hard. It's so very hard that there's no sun, that there's no color, that it's just colorless. And God, I believe that God wants to speak hope, and he wants to breathe color into our lives, that he wants to speak hope into our despair. He wants to breathe hope into your life and into my life. When we are in despair, I believe that God can give us hope. In the book of Romans, Paul wrote that God is a God of hope. In Romans 5, he says that hope does not disappoint us because God is breathing, he's pouring out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That God is pouring out love into our hearts. And that's the third question I want to ask you is, is God speaking love into your loneliness? Is God speaking love into your loneliness? The Bible tells us that God is love, that he's the very definition of love. First John chapter four says he is love, that God is love. And John three sixteen tells us that, that God loves the world so much that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life, right? I mean, we know it. That God is love, and he loves you, and he loves me, and he wants to speak love into our lives. He wants to speak love into the midst of our loneliness. That God sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins because he loves us so very much. And I believe that God is constantly shouting across the universe from the throne of heaven, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, and I love you, and I love you all, and I love you, and I love you. That God is saying over and over and over again, I love you, I love you. I love you because that's what, that's what God is. He is love. And he loves us. And in the midst of loneliness, we can know that we are loved. And that we may, be, we may feel like we've been abandoned. We may feel like we've been forsaken. And we may feel like we've been left behind by our family or by our friends. We may feel completely abandoned. But we are not alone. You are not alone. The Bible tells us that the name Emmanuel, a name given for Jesus, the name Emmanuel, literally means that God is with us. That God is with us. He, he's not running ahead. He, he's not over there. He's right here. That God is with us. The Bible says that God 
will carry the burdens of life with us, that he will come alongside us, he will lift us up, and he will pick us up. So the question I have is, is God speaking love into your loneliness? The last question is, is he speaking peace into your chaos? Is God speaking peace into your chaos? You know, we live hectic, chaotic lives, don't we? I mean, it's crazy out there. We are constantly running here, there, everywhere, all the time. Work, uh, kids playing soccer, uh, kids doing this, kids doing that. There's a theme there. Um, but it, it, we're constantly running all over the place. We're running ourselves ragged. And we just need a Calgon moment, right? Just Calgon, take me away. Something, take me away from this chaos. Something, take me. I need peace, just a moment's peace. How many of you have said that recently? I just need a moment's peace. And we just came out of the holidays, right? And there's nothing peaceful about this time of year. And it's like, I just need some peace in my life. I need some peace from the chaos and from the confusion. I need God to speak peace into my life. You know what? Jesus is peace. The Bible says that Jesus is the prince of peace. He is the one who said, peace, be still. And he calmed the raging seas. He says, peace, be still. Be still to our hearts. And he calms the storms that, is, that are going on in our lives. He is the one who sees us running ourselves ragged, just running all over the place, and he invites us to find rest. He invites us to find peace with him. In two weeks, we're going to talk about how God rested from his creative activity. And we're going to see about how we need rest in our lives too, because that's exactly what we need, is we need rest. We're pushing ourselves to the very limit with work and with family and with obligations and in everything that we do. And we need rest and we need peace. And that's what Jesus gives. So is he speaking, uh, is he speaking light into your darkness? Is he speaking, uh, is he speaking um, love into your loneliness? Uh, is he speaking hope into your despair? Is he speaking peace into your chaos? Well, the last question, last blank on your outline is, are you listening? Are you listening to God? You see, it's one thing to know that he's speaking, but it's another thing entirely to listen to what he's saying and to respond. So my challenge for you this morning is to listen to God, to hear him speaking into your, into your darkness, to hear him speaking light into your darkness. Don't, if he's speaking light into your darkness, don't put him off another day. Say, you know, I need him today. I need him now. I need to give my life to Jesus today. You can do that. You know, is he calling you out of the darkness of sin and into the light of grace? Then accept his invitation and come forward today. Is he speaking hope into your despair? Is he speaking hope into your darkness? Believe him when he says that there is a reason for hope, that Jesus gives hope, that Jesus is coming back and, to, and he will take us home to be with him, that God is with us and that he will never let you stumble. He will never let you fall. He has you in his grip and he will not let you go. He will not let you go. Is he speaking love to your heart and into your loneliness? Let, let God love you. I think that's one of the hardest things to do is to just let God love you for who you are. Because we look at ourselves and we don't like ourselves very much. We look at ourselves and it's like, oh man, I could lose 20, 30, I could lose 40 pounds. I don't like myself. I, I, I don't like this. and I don't really like what's going on back here. And 
I don't like this habit that I've gotten into, and I don't like these, these sins that I commit. And I, I just I don't like myself at all. And I wish I could do better, and I wish I could change this, and I wish I could change that, and I feel so powerless, and I feel so helpless. And all the while, God is saying, Sean, I love you for who you are. Now, I love you too much to leave you that way. I want, I want to change your life. I want to make you more like Jesus. But I love you, and I accept you for who you are. And we're going to work on this together to make you into what I want you to be. And I think it's so hard to let God love us and just to say, my child, I love you. I love you. Can you hear his voice now? Can you hear him whispering to your heart, I love you for who you are? Because I made you, I created you, and I love you. That's what God is saying to you right now. Or maybe he's speaking peace into your chaotic life. Maybe God is saying, you need to slow down. And you need to rest. I started off the sermon by talking about words and how when God speaks, things happen. And that is true. And that God is speaking right now. And he is talking to you. What is he saying to you today? The last thing I want to say this morning is that when God spoke in Genesis 1, it says over and over again that he saw it and it was good. You see, when God speaks, not only do things happen, but when God speaks, good things happen. And I believe that God is speaking to you and that it is.